0: I'm <laughs> I dare you to lead over to tell somebody, he's been good. Can I get over he's life? been good. Can I get over <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah! <Can> <laughs> from you, Unison yeah. said, He's good right now! does anybody know he's good right now oh taste and see that the lord he is
1: good <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah. That Charles Jenkins to bring it
0: out of you every time. That Charles Jenkins know how to get it. I'm asking everybody to stand to your feet as we receive our bishop, our pastor, the feeder of our souls, in the person of Bishop
1: Roy J. Licef. Come on, make some noise! Hallelujah. God is truly a good God.
2: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Why don't you just go ahead and celebrate them? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you're able, go ahead and take a seat. Hallelujah. As you're taking your seat, I want you to look at your neighbor and just ask your neighbor this question. Where's the rudder? For those of you that don't know, the rudder is the thing that's on the back of a boat, that steers the boat. It's connected to a steering wheel of sorts and it directs the boat in which way it needs to go. They used to ask the question, where's the beef? I hear the spirit of the Lord asking, where's the rudder? Where's the rudder? Hallelujah. Turn with me in the Word of God to the sixth chapter of the book of Genesis. I'm going to read for your hearing the 14th verse. I don't plan to stand before you long. I just want to give you something that's going to help you navigate through the chaotic seas of life. Genesis, the sixth chapter. I'll read for your hearing the 14th verse. The Bible declares, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. You may be seated. The command of God to Noah was to make an ark. God declared unto Noah, Make thee an ark. Noah's living in a day, and if you really study the Word of God, and you study history, you'll find that Noah's day, absent the fact that it rains plenty today, it wasn't raining back then, but it seems to rain a lot now. But back in that day, it wasn't raining. Other than that, everything that's going on in the world today, everything that you're seeing that's going on, even just in this city, or in the cities of those who have tuned in through technology, it seems like everything is crazy, every man for himself, only the fittest will survive, you know, prices are going crazy, you can't get anything anymore, they're running out of gas, I mean, just you name it, everything seems to be going on, man's just doing whatever man wants to do. It was just like that back in this time. But God gave Noah a command. God told Noah, go make a ship, an ark. And actually, this was more of a floating barge than it was a ship. And I know that sometimes we get confused because of the things we see and the things that we hear. A ship indicates that it has the ability to direct and to propel its own self. A barge does not. Now the word that's translated ark is found 28 times in the Old Testament, of which 26 times it refers to the ship that we're talking about, the ship that God commanded Noah to build. The other two times that the word is used, it refers to the basket that Moses was placed in to preserve his life in the Nile River. We call this ark a ship, though it really has no means of propulsion or means of navigation. It was not meant to navigate in the oceans of life, but was a kind of covered raft or floating house only sufficient for protection during the flood. Look at your neighbor and ask your neighbor, where's the rudder? rudder? When given Noah the plans for the ship, our text speaks of seven features that the ark was to have. And these features included uh, wood, pitch, measurements, a cabin, decks, a window, and a door. I just want to touch on a few of these real quick for you. Uh, the wood, is, the Bible declares, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Now, scholars today are uncertain as to what gopher wood actually is. Uh, some believe that uh, the word that is deciphered or, or translated into gopher wood uh, contains a root word that directs back to cypress wood. So it it is commonly believed that gopher wood is cypress wood and it would have some sort of uh, type of wood that would be able to withstand water well and it would be readily available. It wasn't like lumber today. I don't know if you've gone into your local Home Depot or Lowe's, but you can't barely get lumber anymore. And the lumber that you do get is not plenteous, but it is expensive. Hallelujah. Lumber is costing you three, four times now what it cost you just a year ago. But this wood that God is directing Noah to use had to be plenteous, and it had to be able to make the boat float. Uh, For centuries, if you look at boats, they were built out of wood. It's it's only in common day or modern day, as we call it, that you see ships are built out of steel. But the original ships and even some of the greatest ships that you've uh, been able to see in your life were made out of wood. Then he talks about the pitch. Uh, Genesis 6 and 14, thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Now the word pitch, refers to bitum, uh, and what this is uh, called today would be tar. Now, I want you to understand something about this tar or this bitum or this pitch that God is commanding to be used on the boat. It's not depicted like you've seen in pictures. The pitch was to cover the ark in its entirety. This tar-like substance would make the boat watertight. It also would make the ark entirely black, unlike some of the pictures that you've seen of the ark today. Now, artists do a good job uh, demonstrating their technique and their painting skills, but most of them are not very good expositors of Scripture because if they were, you would find that uh, the boats would not, or the ark, the depiction of the ark would not look like just wood slats, as you see today. It would be one big, black-covered uh, boat or vessel that uh, God directed them to build. and It was done so that the boat would be able to withstand the sea. Now, the word that's translated pitch also translates into atonement. Now, you gotta, you got to understand something. The Bible's always pointing to Jesus. The Bible is always pointing to the plan of God's redemption. The whole purpose of the Bible is to point to Christ, to the redemptive plan of Jesus, which is so important because the ark is a precursor to redemption. It redeemed Noah and his family from the judgment of God that was being poured out on the world. God bless you, Sister Wanda. Good to see you. It was so wonderful that God would do such an amazing thing. Now... This is why it's so important not to get caught up in the picture, because the pictures don't depict what is actually going on. The boat is covered in the pitch, or in the tar-like substance, just like you and I are covered in the blood. It's, its main purpose, the judgment of God is being poured out on the world in the flood. Well, there's a judgment of God that's going to be poured out on sin. And if I only had some pitch that would cover some cracks that would be under my arms, and maybe in between my toes and fingers, there would not be enough to keep me from the judgment of God. But thanks be to God that just like they covered the ark from uh, the, the front to the back, They, Jesus has covered me in his blood. He's covered you in his blood blood, so that we would be able to be safe from divine judgment. The blood keeps us safe from the judgment of God on sin. Those who come to Jesus for salvation are protected by the blood of the Lord. Just like Noah's family, when they entered the ark, it was covered in the pitch and they were protected from the judgment of God against the world you ought to look at your neighbor and ask your neighbor where's the rudder then we, we, we look at the measurements. The, the length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, that's 450 feet. The breadth of it, 50 cubits, that's 75 feet. And the height of it, 30 cubits, that's 45 feet. You can find that depicted in the 6th chapter of Genesis, the 15th verse, as you're taking your notes. The size of the boat gave ample room for everything that was going to go in to the ark. Now some scholars say that the Ark would hold as much as 1,000 train box cars. It was the largest boat or ship built until the 20th century. Significantly, uh, for you to understand, is that the size was ideal for a floating vessel. Uh, Shipbuilders have discovered uh, that the best dimensions for a floating vessel are length times its height and six times its width, which when you look at the depiction that God gave, the exact proportions of the ark meet this mathematical equation. This was the best design that even today man can come up with. So where did Moses get such intelligent figures? He got them from God. He certainly did not. Get them from the heathen traditions about the flood, for they speak of boats of grotesque size and shape which would not be seaworthy or house its inhabitants. Well, uh, then we go on to the cabins. The cabins are rooms uh, that shall be uh, made in the ark. Uh, and these would have been like cabins in our ships today. These cabins would provide room for the humans uh, that were going to be in the safety of the ark. Uh, and they would also provide space uh, for the animals. More cabins would be needed, of course, uh, uh, for the animals as they greatly outnumbered the humans uh, on the ark. Then the word translated rooms is translated uh, nests in other places in the Bible. So the cabin was a nest. What is a nest? A nest is like home. When do you feel safe? You feel safe when you get home. What do most people try to do? They try to get home because home is where my safety is. Uh, The Bible goes on and talks about the decks, the lower deck, and the third stories, uh, Thou shalt make, uh, Genesis 6 and 16. uh, The ark had three decks, uh, and this would expand the room in the ark uh, at least threefold, and maybe even fourfold, uh, if you look at the lower deck, uh, which was actually the first floor above the bottom deck. uh, So the decks made efficient use uh, of the space uh, that's in the ark. Uh, Then, God tells Noah, cut out a window, Uh, a window shall thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shall thou finish it above. Now this is not the same word used for window in Genesis 8 and 6, which was the window that Noah used to let out the dove. Uh, This window in our text was an opening of a cubit from the top to be made entirely around the structure. It would provide needed air for ventilation for the ark and also would provide light and lease for the top of the deck. Noah and his family and the animals that were there would need to breathe air and they would need ventilation of all the wondrous farm smell that was going on in the boat. Uh, Being at the top was wise because warm air rises and it would be warm air that would be the kind of air that was in existence in the ark with the animals. Now scripture does not state anywhere uh, more about this particular window, but we can be sure it was built in such a way that Air would come in, but no water would come in. Now, it goes on in 6 and 16 and talks about the door. Uh, The door of the ark shall thou set in the side thereof. You've got to understand there was only one way into the ark. Just like there's only one way into heaven. I don't care what anyone tells you. There's only one way into heaven. And when you look at the word, I find it peculiar that Jesus identifies himself as the door of the sheep. He says, I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am everything that you need. Outside of me, you'll just come up short. Now, this door would make it possible for the people and the animals to enter the ark and also do disembark from the ark when the flood was over. Like other features of the ark, we don't have a whole lot of details about this particular door, such as on which deck the door was located or how large the door was, but that's not really necessary for us to know. What we have to understand is the door identifies one way into salvation. And one way out. Uh, The details of the construction would be practical. They would be enabling for the loading and distributing uh, distributing of the animals in the ark and providing uh, adequate living quarters for both the animals and the humans uh, that were uh, in there. Now, we have to understand uh, that God doesn't do anything or tell us anything in the Word of God just for the sense of telling us. So let's take a look at the length of the ark. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. Well, that tells me that the size of the ark plainly indicates that Noah had an assignment. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you got work to do. Noah has an assignment, and this assignment is going to require a lot of work. I know that there are preachers out there that want to tell you, just come on into the house of God, and then everything is going to be a-okay. The devil is a liar. I'm here to tell you that the moment you come into your salvation is the moment that your target gets activated. And God doesn't call you into the house for you to sit back And be lazy. God calls you in to roll up your sleeves and work. Uh, You have to understand that when God gave Noah this mission, uh, there was work that needed to be done and added to this hard work of building the ark would also be more hard work in the assembling and store, storing of the supplies that would be necessary to go inside the ark. When God assigns our duty, it's not to encourage your laziness. Uh, when you look in the beginning of the world, you'll find that God gave man a command. He said, go have dominion over the earth. In other words, I'm giving you an assignment to go do something. You Look at your neighbor and say tell your neighbor it's time to get to work it's time to get to work because when God assigns your duty, he does not encourage laziness, but he encourages faithfulness in your work. I'm here to tell you today, God does not want a sluggard in his vineyard. If you are lazy and slothful in life, you will not do the will of God well, for the will of God requires much hard work. If you're looking for an easy job in life, you're not looking for the will of God. God revealed to Noah the future, but it was accompanied with an assignment of duty that would require much hard work. We can expect the same. We keep asking God to send us or to raise us from glory to glory. Honey, you don't even know what you're asking for. You can't handle the work at the level of glory you're at. And you're begging God for more glory. God said, I'll give you more glory. But to whom much is given, much is required. Are you ready for the work at the next level of your glory? You ought to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, it's time to get to work. Hallelujah. Now, Noah is designed or called to build this ark. He's called and given specific instructions. He's given specific details of what was necessary for the ark. But where's the rudder? You won't find anywhere in Scripture where God told Noah to put some sails on the boat. You see, sails is a means of propulsion. It's a means by which the boat itself connects with the environment and the environment pushes it. You see, a sail uses the wind and the wind then pushes the boat so that the boat can go where the rudder tells it to go. But there are no sails on this boat. There's no means of propulsion on this boat. Now, you'll find also that there's no rudder. What we started with, I'm coming to my clothes. What we started with, that rudder, that little thing, that if you turn it, will cause the boat to turn. Ah, but God didn't give them a rudder. You see, you've got to understand people of God. To navigate through the stormy seas of life, you've got to stop, using self-propulsion, you've got to stop trying to steer your own way You ought to step into the boat of your salvation and by faith, uh, trust God to steer you away from trouble. You'll find the more you steer your boat, uh, the more dilemma you're going to run right into. But when you let go of the wheel uh, and let God drive, uh, oh, I remember in Star Wars, uh, Luke uh, had the the targeting computer up uh, and he was trying to use... a computer to tell him when to fire that fatal shot. Uh, ah, but something kept te- Telling him, Oh, don't use the computer. Don't depend on your technology. And Luke turns off the computer. Now everyone in society started asking Luke, hey, what's wrong? Is the computer broke? Is something wrong? And no, Luke said, No, everything's fine. But he understood that you gotta use the force. Sometimes you got to understand it's outside of your ability to handle and you ought to allow the spirit of God that dwells in you to handle your trauma. You've got to, you got to understand people of God.
1: It takes faith to navigate through these stormy seas of life.
2: Hallelujah. I learned a long time ago To break off my rudder. I learned a long time ago. To tear down my sails. So that I don't move before God. So that I don't go left. When God wants me to go right. I let God. Shift me in whatever direction I am to go. People of God you've got to understand. When you allow God to direct you. You will not only make it through the storms of life, you will not only be safe during the storms of life, but when the storms of life are over, the door is going to open and you're going to step out into a bounty that has been prepared just for you. People of God, you got to understand. Noah couldn't steer that ark. God used the waves of the water that flooded the earth.
1: Now understand something. There had to be land somewhere. Now the earth was covered, but land was not removed. At any point, because there was no telescope on the ark, there was no undersea radar, so those mountain peaks that were not removed, they were just covered by the water, but unseen
2: to Noah. If he had been steering the boat, Because he can't see everything, he would have run ashore before and not in the proper place of his blessing. Ah, but God didn't tell him to put a rudder on the boat. God didn't tell him to put sails on the boat. You know why? Because sails will make you move fast. There's a time to move fast, and there's a time to move slow. The problem is, is we don't know when the right time is to move fast and when the right time is to slow down. And we always are moving faster than we should and we're always missing what God intended for us to have. But if you just destroy your sails, you destroy your rudder, you let God direct your path, you let God push you, When you need to be pushed, you let God navigate and give you the direction that you need to flow so that you can miss everything that you cannot see, you'll find that you will run dab smack into a blessing rather than drama. As long as you're steering your boat, you're going to always run into drama. As long as you're allowing you to control the outcome of your life, you're always going to come up short. As long as your emotions are moving you and helping you decide things, you're always going to come up short. But when you let go of the reins and just let God do what God can do in your life, The old saints used to say, you got to strike when the hammer is hot. Problem is, is, you don't have the knowledge to know when the hammer is hot enough to strike. But God does. God does. He's given us his word so that we have direction. The Bible declares that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You don't have to devise your step. You don't have to plot your course. You don't have to navigate your way through anything. All you need to do is sit back and ride in God's design. God's design puts the onus on him. God's design
1: for the success of your life puts the onus On him. He says I've given you a mission.
2: Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor. You got work to do. I've given you something. I've given you a goal. I've given you a target to shoot
1: for. Now watch this. I'm going to cover you. In your journey.
2: I'm going to cover you. In your journey. So that. You
1: don't get swallowed up by everything that is set against you. Then, I'm going to cause you to disembark
2: at the right time. So that you, you, so that you can enjoy the fruit of your labor. Oh, what a God we serve. What a God we serve. He's not asking you to figure it out. He said, I've already figured it out. Because I've been at your beginning and I've been at your end. I know the end from the beginning. I know the beginning from the end. And I know everything that transpires in between. If you just follow me and allow me I will take you where you thought you could never go. I will allow you to reach heights that you thought you could never reach. Some of you are afraid of heights. God says, I'll take you so high that you'll be above your fear. If you just trust the Lord and stop trying to do it yourself.
1: Have faith in God. It took faith to build an ark for something that had never been experienced. It never rained. The earth was fed by dew. I see
2: dew in the morning. Let it rest upon the grass. That's exactly how grass got its water. Was the dew that was in the morning. Now here's Noah talking about something that ain't nobody ever seen. It's going to rain. I don't even know what rain is.
1: We don't even have a word for rain. Because we ain't never seen rain. And here
2: Noah is, following the instructions of God. Now I bet Noah had some friends. And I bet his friends told Noah he was crazy. I bet his friends ridiculed him. They scoffed him because he was doing the work that God sent him to do to prepare for something that no man had ever seen. (laughs) Let me say that again. He had friends that were telling him he's crazy for doing what God commissioned him to do for something that man had never seen. Now, I want you, if the word of God is to encourage you, you have to understand that God has commissioned you to do something. But it ain't just any old thing. He's commissioned you to do something that man ain't never seen. And because man ain't never seen it, man can't help you accomplish it. And because man can't help you accomplish it, man can't understand it. And because man can't understand it, they can not and will not encourage you in it. When you find the world is giving you all the encouragement, you are probably not headed toward the destination that God indicated for your life. But when you find yourself doing stuff that the world looks at you and says, you must be crazy, then you know you're no longer steering the boat, but God is. And you have been created by design to do stuff for which man has never seen. They scoffed at him. They talked about him. I'm sure they, you know, made jokes and, you know, he was, he was the meme
1: of the day. Look at Noah, building a boat for something that ain't never happened. Until he stepped in the boat and closed the door. And then rain came. Yep. What had never happened, happened. And because Noah followed the directions of God, he was where he was
2: supposed to be when what man had never seen happened. Saints of God, I'm here to tell you today, for those that are listening online, I'm here to tell you there's something else
1: coming, something else coming that man has not seen, and that's called the rapture of the church. Now, you may
2: scoff at me. You might think I'm crazy. You might even tell me the word rapture is not in the Bible. And I'll tell you, you're right. The word rapture is not in the Bible. But what the word rapture means is in the Bible. Because my Bible tells me that he went away to prepare a place for me. And that where he is, I will be also. Saints of God, I'm here to tell you there's coming a day and it's coming sooner than you think where what man has not seen is about to happen. And it's going to blow the minds of them that are left. I'm not here to scare you, but I'm here to tell you that if you are not covered in the tar of the blood of Jesus, if you're not covered in the blood of the Lamb, if you're not closed in the boat of salvation, you're going to miss and end up dealing with the judgment that God is going
1: to pour out on this world. The time is short. The time is short
2: for you to get yourself together. All that prosperity teaching won't do you one bit of good if you're not in the boat of God's salvation. It won't matter if God blessed you with houses and
1: cars and jewels and money. Matter of fact, if you're not in the boat of salvation, every... Earthly thing,
2: every earthly possession will cease to be yours. Everything that you have acquired in life will cease to be yours if you don't accept the mark of the beast. Your money will mean nothing. You won't be able to buy
1: and you won't be able to sell. The day is coming where the trump of
2: the Lord is going to sound. I tease my wife all the time. I tell her, I said, we don't know the day nor the hour when the Lord comes. Like, I don't know the day or the hour when I'm going to hit a hole in one. But I'm going to get a hole in one before it's done. And I said, I tease my wife. I say, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be standing on that 210-yard par three. And I'm going to pull out my five iron because I hit my five iron 210 yards. And I'm going to strike that little ball and it's going to go up in the air. And I'm going to do a tiger twirl with my club. And I'm going to watch the flight of the ball and it's going to come down right in the hole. And before I can say hole in one, I'm going to be gone. I said, because that's the humor the God I have has. He's going to say, yeah, you got your hole in one, but you never got a chance to enjoy it. Because that is the time you're going to go. You see, some of us are waiting for something to happen before we commit ourselves to God. God says, you won't ever get the
1: opportunity
2: to enjoy what you're waiting for. Because the Lord is soon to come. Where's the rudder? Who's steering your boat? You got work to do. You need to be covered in the blood of Jesus. You need to be be shut in. The ark of safety. You need to be ready for what God has for you to do.
1: God bless you. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate the messenger.